Do you think that maybe shit would have been burnt down in 69 if punk rock was there? Yeah, all the weed in the crowd. <laughs> would it have been like a weed bonfire? Oh, yeah. That, that smoke plume would have gotten everybody with a three-state radius high. And Canada. Don't forget where Woodstock is. <laughs> <laughs> all right, I'm cool with that. Uh, Parlay, gentlemen. <laughs> Parlay! Parlay? That's the one. Parlay. Parlay. Great day and welcome to another exciting episode of Parlay Radio, the podcast that gives you the objective take of the bands you love and love to hate. We do have some very special guests today, but first I'm gonna say gentlemen introductions all around and in this case once again we are absent of john so we will do our best john impressions but i didn't put any lyrics down because i'm not stupid so gentlemen introductions all around and then i will introduce our very special guests jay bain and do you have the time to listen to me whine devin hughes and i am the american idiot our special guest today and you can do yours if you want to right after that. I see you so eager right now. <laughs> so in yeah. continuation with our Simply the Fest Marathon, Jay. Simply the Fest! Thank you. Today we have our guest guitarist Eric Trent and drummer Paul Lowe of the band Bad Idols. You can watch their music, or excuse me, I put you could watch. What the fuck did I touch? <laughs> you can catch their music on streaming services of your choice or head to badidolstn.bandcamp.com. We always encourage you to purchase rather than stream in order to support the artists that hop on the show as everyone needs a meal. You can catch Bad Idols playing at the fest this year. Please welcome to the show, Paulo and Eric Trent. What's up, guys? Thanks for having us. So much for hopping on. We're very excited about this. And did you have your own little Green Day intro you wanted to do? Oh, yeah. I was going to say, uh, I'm Eric Trent uh, when I come around. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> that that's how we that do works. it. Yeah. That works. That works. <laughs> Paul, I expect big out of you. Uh, so, hi, I'm Paul. I'm, uh, the, I'm the Jesus of suburbia. There you go. There you go. <laughs> you have the hair for it. At least, like, what, I'm, what I've seen in pictures. And I know you probably got it tied up behind your head right now. Oh yeah, <laughs> keep it out of the face. We really appreciate you <laughs> hopping on. We're we're excited to see your set at Fest. We're excited to see everybody's sets, which I know is impossible to catch. And sometimes I'm gonna ask this straight up front: Are you conflicting with anybody that we should be concerned about? I don't late? think so. I feel like when we're playing, like near the end of Sunday, everything seems to be kind of winding down. It doesn't seem like, yeah. Okay, thank yeah. God. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I don't remember. <laughs> I don't remember seeing anything being like, oh, crap. <laughs> yeah, we're just going to be tired as hell, but it's it's going to be awesome. I think that's kind of the given for the weekend. Um, oh, yeah. So this is going to be Jay's first fest. Oh, cool. So we're very excited to break him in, uh, but we need to be gentle. He's already used to PBRs, so that's not a problem there. Um, we still have to find a substitute for Five Star because they're moving. That's a bummer. I don't know if you saw that or not. They're, they're not going to be there anymore. It's so sad. And we need to be very gentle with uh, Malort. <laughs> yeah. We don't want Jay to die. <laughs> so only one shot. And no, be no, no, no. I'll, I'll be fine. I, so I, you, I can die on least... my own time. 
at least two or three to know if you like it or not. There you go. I mean, Jay, have you ever drank gasoline before? Uh, I have had Everclear many times. This is worse. I've had real moonshine, too. Um, Hopefully the police aren't listening right now. Yeah. It's not the matter of strength. It's definitely not the matter of strength. This is just the most disgusting liquor you'll ever have on the planet. (laughs) I have had MD 2020, so... Okay, maybe the second most disgusting <laughs> All right. You know what? I'm going to go ahead, introduce our band, and uh, I'm going to be very upfront and say that I have a bias, which we'll get to. Green Day is an American rock band formed in the East Bay of California in 1987 by singer and guitarist Billy Joe Armstrong, bassist and backing vocalist Mike Dirnt, and drummer John Kipmeyer, who was replaced by Trey Cool in 1990. Green Day rose to fame with the release of their major label debut album, Dookie, in 1994. Having started as a three-piece punk band, Green Day is credited with having popularized punk rock of the mainstream in the 1990s. I disagree with that. With their influence, they capitalized the stardom capitalized fucking hell i did it again they rose to stardom past in the over the past 35 years becoming one of the top selling artists of all time and arguably the top selling punk rock band of all time as we do with all of our guests when we give you the option to pick bands why did you guys go with green day aside from the obvious punk on punk green day is my all-time favorite band uh, P- Paul had, had confirmed Green Day with you guys before he told me we were doing this. I was just like, hell yeah, dude. <laughs> I don't know. I think they're just the best. Um, they're like massively influential to Paul and I. We got to see them together in 2009. It was sick. Uh, and they're, and like, yeah, where they come from is just like so uh, rich and like punk culture and like so many sick bands, you know, like Rancid and Off Ivy and. Crimp Shrine and uh, Mr. T Experience and dude, Green Day is a, is a really I'm really glad they got so big and famous because uh, I think you know if you get into Green Day and you like you kind of scratch at the surface of it, like I said, you can find out about so much cool stuff, cool music, and really see that that Green Day came from like a, a really tight knit little punk rock scene. They're real. They're authentic. I just think they're the best. Oh yeah, like definitely every everything Eric said with like Green Day is like such an influential like band. Like I, I had like owe my drumming style to to Green Day. Like just coming home from school every day, just playing along the Green Day songs, and then like developing my own style just kind of around that. It's like just, just such a good band. What was the first album for each of you? I'm gonna start with Eric. The first one I had was International Super Hits uh, in like sometime in late 2003. It wasn't like I, w- I knew American Idiot was coming uh, because of I had like this GameCube, like N- NCAA football game. American Idiot was a song on there, and then uh, it started being shown on MTV and stuff. And International Super Hits it was the answer. Sorry. I love talking about Green Day, dude. No apologies, man. <laughs> no apologies necessary. You're all good. God, I think that was the first one. I think first one for me would probably be American Idiot. And then uh, I think I remember hearing it on the radio, and I was like, oh, this sounds cool. And then checked it out, and I was like, sweet. Let's see what everything else sounds like. And I was like, holy shit, this band rules. <laughs> it's like, cool, punk rock. 
this is awesome especially at that time because they had like all their stuff at that time was like really really good there was no bad album <laughs> yeah it's a good time to get into them definitely so jay and i are old as fuck and uh we remember when dookie came out yep and that was the green day album like that was the one that started it for me i remember i stole it from my sister sorry sarah but uh yeah she had like the little travel cd booklet that you could have in your car and i remember at the time i think it was probably a couple of years after it came out but i had listened to it quite a few times because i had a tape of it and i remember when i actually got a cd player i took her booklet and went through and was like i want this one and i want this one and i want this one <laughs> and dookie was one of the first ones that i stole from her which I got two copies of it after a while, but I scratched the ever-loving hell out of it because I just played it nonstop, constantly. Especially that stupid little bit at the end of it, the all by myself, that Trey <laughs> sang. Yeah. All by myself. I was all by myself. No one was looking. I was yeah. thinking of you. Yeah, just, no, no, we can't get into it. We can't get into it. <laughs> but it was just, it was, it was cool. Nimrod came out. That was an amazing album. Insomnia is highly underrated, uh, as far as one of their albums are concerned. I think it was like the least selling one they had, and it still went platinum. So, I mean, who cares? At least it got the success that it did, and people noticed it the way that it did. Jay, what about you? Dookie was definitely uh, the first cassette. Yes, I am old. Uh, that I had of theirs probably like 98 or 99 maybe. Um, but I do remember watching the videos back in like 94, 95 for Dookie whenever they came out. And I always like to think of Green Day, Blink-182, a couple of these, you know, real like big pop punk bands. They're, they're like the marijuana of punk rock. They're the gateway drug that just gets you into more further down the line. You know, by the end of it, next thing you know, you're mainlining Sex Pistols and Clash albums and going crazy <laughs> with mohawks everywhere. Start putting a mohawk in your fucking armpits or something. I I, I appreciate you uh, telling us how you style your body hair there, buddy. Yeah, I've known you for almost 30 years and I've never seen that and I never want to. <laughs> Love you, but hell the no. Only it's the only hair I have on my body, so gotta style it somewhere bitch you're hiding a head of hair under that hat <laughs> oh but dear god hair, what happened nothing what nothing. happened I, I don't i don't wear a wookie vest like you your, your baby jeans it translated to your adult <laughs> jeans what happened <laughs> no i will say for the record for our audience um i might be one of the very few who has to annually trim their chest hair <laughs> it's true it's so i have long. to i've seen it dude we went to the beach last weekend and i got sunburnt and i put on sunscreen and then it didn't work because the hair was too thick to actually reach my skin <laughs> hands wow. to god or whatever deity you believe in yes that is 100 percent true may alanis morissette have mercy on your soul <sighs> man miss my hair so much all right i guess we should start talking about him and oh yeah my bias i hate american idiot that's my bias i love everything I, else but american idiot i'm not a fan of that i, I hate to say it post american idiot had a couple of good songs but post american idiot i just i stopped listening it got a little too i don't know the last couple albums i actually really enjoyed it's just american idiot for me that was 
like peak time of being into music because I was well into my teenage years and well into playing guitar and and actually going out and playing shows but it just it was one of those things where radio was still a thing that everybody listened to and it was just so overplayed it got kind of played out of my head I think it's the nicest way I could put it I've you know I've kind of wondered what it was like when Dookie came out if those songs didn't feel overplayed because I, I hear that a lot from people that are a little bit older than us about American Idiot and I always just want to ask like why do you hate it like what about it do you hate I think it's because at the time seeing a band transition their musical like their their musical composition the way that they're writing songs and everything and the sounds transitioning it that quickly and that you know to the extreme was a little hard for a lot of a lot of us especially you know we were in that era where oh if it's not punk fuck it i don't want to listen to it i i've started to gatekeep less in my older age but i still just haven't been able to go back and really take a full listen to that album and really enjoy the whole thing there's a lot of songs that they've released on that album and since then that are really good like i was watching the video for wake me up when september ends and that, that still makes me tear up a bit I'm not gonna lie that's fair but it was also played everywhere and dookie did not it dookie got a lot of play but it wasn't saturating the airway or airwaves like wake me up when september ends was like it was on every radio station it was on mtv fuse vh1 and you know places you would not expect to see green day or any punk band really it was on that might have been on cmt I, mean, I wouldn't doubt it was probably on CMT. CBS, I mean, ABC Morning Cartoon Block. Fox Kids. It wasn't Fox Kids. <laughs> I'm sure it was. I mean, my, my rationale is a little bit different. Um, so we grew up in the 90s. We we're both 80s babies, and we grew up in the 90s. And uh, just out of curiosity, I know, I know you guys are based in Tennessee. Were you both born and raised there or migrated to it, like, what was the genealogy? Yeah. We were both born and raised yeah. in, okay. in East Tennessee. Okay. So I, I don't know how it was in Tennessee, but we're both, we're Florida boys. How radio stations were when we were growing up, there was a nice amalgamation of every genre on one radio station. So literally you would have a rock song, a pop song, an R&B song, a rap song, a country song, a house music song, and then the cycle would go over again and it would be something completely different. So if you had a huge hit, you'd hear it about every hour, every two hours. If you had a mediocre hit, you'd maybe hear it once a day. And if you had anything else, you would hear it roughly once a week. Green Day did hit ultra popularity, but there weren't really alternative rock stations at that time. So if I heard Longview, for example, I wouldn't hear any other Green Day songs until 12 hours later. Probably until Good Riddance came out, and then that yeah. song got played. That 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 was a huge huh. hit. But I mean, you know, it was one of those things, and that's kind of where it fits with American Idiot, because American Idiot was a massive success, but it was played every hour. And that's where it's like, okay, it's a little bit saturated this way because I'm hearing it a little bit too much. 
You would hear it on pop stations. You would switch to a rock station because at this point they kind of split the genres apart. And you would hear it every hour there. So if you're on a pop station, you'd hear Boulevard of Broken Dreams. You flip over to a rock station, then you would hear American Idiot. And you flip over to the alternative pop station, and you have Holiday playing. And it's just like, okay, I've heard the full, the whole fucking album now <laughs> in the past two hours. <laughs> Can I listen to anything else, please? And and that's, that's kind of the thing, because I... I'm the type, I try to listen to new music every year. I try to find new bands every year. And I try to just keep my mind as open as possible with different genres and different bands and different artists because I don't want to be that old guy who still listens to all the albums he listened to as a kid. Jay. I want to actually <laughs> listen to, to new things and have new experiences because I, I love going to local shows. So... For me to hear that same shit over and over again, <laughs> it just, it drives me a little bonkers. Now, that's not to say it's a bad album by any means. It's a great album. But I needed a 10-year break before I could listen to it again because that's how much it's overplayed down here. And like I said, I don't know if it's the same thing in Tennessee, but definitely in Florida. Florida's a big Green Day state. They will sell out anywhere they play. Mm -hmm. Everybody is obsessed with them. There is nothing wrong with that. It's just that one album. That one goddamn album. <laughs> that I, need, I need a break from here and there. So you that's know, my one, bias. <laughs> one thing to kind of tack on that too with American Idiot. The other problem that you had, you know, like I said, with the, with the shift in everything. You had a pop punk essentially band creating a rock opera when 10 years before that half of their songs were about jerking off in a basement true it's a little bit of a strange change to say the least so yeah but I, they would you would you have rather them make dookie again or because i mean like all that like punk stuff is always going to be there and now they're just piling on shit forever I, it seems I like i wouldn't like, mind I if they made another dookie or two but, pile but, the dookie up i mean you got to be regulated you know but they <laughs> but but also like they can't because like dookie was like Are they they're, constipated they're they're you know they're rock stars but they're still like artists and like yeah. i was saying they came from like a legitimate like little scene like dookie is a moment in time you know, for yeah. them as, as individuals. I I don't know. I mean, like, I think them writing a rock opera is, I think it's super ballsy. Uh, yeah. And it, seems like, yeah. and it seems like, you know, all this radio play, I, I remember it being played constantly too when it came out, but I was so stoked that uh, about them and that album that I didn't mind it. I was like happy to hear it on the radio. I don't know. It, they, I, I, I think they had a personal connection with like people my age when that happened. Just like I feel like there was a personal connection with Dookie when that happened. Yeah, absolutely. I think the the state of the world was a bit different for like that age of person. You know, Definitely. given when it was. It was. It was. And uh, I think I think that that goes into a lot with music too, and that's why music can be so you know subjective with everything. You know, it's it's 
where you were when you heard this, what you were experiencing, your life, the world around you, everything. And, and I, I will take nothing away from American Idiot. Um, what it did financially, sales-wise, everything else, it was, it was phenomenal. It was a phenomenon. And I have, I really don't have any major problems with it other than the fact that for me personally, it just wrong place, wrong time when it came out. And that's kind of where I, 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 I said, it's a great album. Like, it, it's a very good album. My distaste is not even really distaste. It's just, I heard the whole damn thing all the time. It's like, you know, okay, can I, can I have something else? Can I get a little variety? If it had probably been spaced out more on radio stations, I think I'd enjoy it a lot more. And honestly, I'm at the point now, I haven't really listened to any of the songs in 10 years probably 15 to be honest uh so i could listen to it today and i probably enjoy it a lot because i've listened to the entire album and it's again a great album it's just the repeated play is a little too much for me because at the time radio was still a big thing i think myspace hadn't really taken off quite yet but it was starting around that time starting to kind of hit up yeah so like the the stretch of being able to listen to new local unsigned bands without going to shows or listening to somebody who's across the country or a lot across the world was a lot more difficult at that time so you pretty much relied on radio to give you the music that you wanted to hear and it's just like oh okay cool foo fighters released a new album i love the foo fighters let me listen for the single they're gonna play it at the three o'clock rock block cool all right 303 here's holiday awesome all right, all right. 309, here's Offspring. Oh, let's go to 312, and uh, here's Boulevard of Broken Dreams. <laughs> here's 315, it's like, oh, we just played a Green Day, here's another one, here's American Idiot. It's like, son of a bitch, can I get something else for a moment? That That's my only thing. It's probably not, it's not even anything against Green Day or the album, it's against mm-hmm. radio stations. Fuck radio at this point. <laughs> I just I know how they operate with the 12 track system and they just really abused it at that point. So mm-hmm. I think Green Day ruined radio for me and radio ruined American Idiot for me. That's probably the best way I can put that. Cuz again, I don't really have anything against the band. I love Dookie, that's one of my favorites, Nimrod, again my favorites. I I have nothing against them. I have everything against radio. <laughs> Burn it to the ground. <laughs> All right. Having said that, we should probably jump into this. So I am here to do a double duty today as well as Jay. I'm going to go ahead and get started with some numbers here. You said duty. <laughs> I get, oh, I'm sorry. Get started with some dookie today. There we go. All right. So Green Day has sold an estimated 75 million albums worldwide, including but not limited to 13 studio albums, 4 live albums, 4 compilation albums, 4 video albums, 11 EPs, 4 box sets, 43 singles, 10 promotional singles, and 47 music videos. Dear God, and it's really weird to think that they started in the year we were born. If if it makes you feel any better, they were like in high school at the time, so... Yeah, because Billy Joe just... I think he just turned 50 or he's been in his 50s for a couple of years. He's, he's relatively young for being in a band for 35 years. And so. being in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, too. Yeah. 
damn talented, handsome man. All right. <laughs> Their highest selling album is Dookie, which has gone diamond status stateside. Uh, for those overseas, that is 10 million copies sold and an estimated 20 million sold worldwide. The nice, well, nice for me. The weird part is most people think it's American Idiot just because of how successful and how much it was played, but on some occasions it sure as hell feels like it. Uh, however, American Idiot only sold 12 million copies worldwide. Spotify numbers, because awards and album status is gonna blow your mind. Uh, Spotify numbers, they have an estimated, or excuse me, they have an average of 27.6 million monthly listeners. Their top song is Basket Case with 880 million streams. Are you ready for these record sales? What's <laughs> here? 127 times platinum. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> that is worldwide. Now, platinum in other countries does mean a different amount sold. Some say 100,000, some say it's 500,000. Most rely between 500 and 1 million copies sold. The status of platinum has actually changed stateside because of streaming. So that, but that's still, holy shit, that is a huge amount. Uh, they are double diamond, yeah, and they are 33 times gold, and also one silver. I don't know what silver is. I think it's a hundred thousand, and I want to say that was Germany. As far as awards, they have been nominated 214 times. They've won 92. So, almost bad to 500, so not bad. Not bad at all. Uh, notable ones are the American Music Awards. They won in 2005 twice for favorite pop rock album and favorite alternative art artist. They also won in 2009 for favorite alternative rock artist. Uh, the ASCAP Pop Music Awards. I think this is the first artist that we've had that's been nominated on them. Uh, 2005, they have two wins for Song of the Year with Boulevard of Broken Dreams and the Creative Voice Award. I'm not sure what that is. I didn't take the time to look it up because I was too busy reading. Holy shit, how many awards did they win? How many were they nominated for? Dear God. Billboard Music Awards, they're a six for nine. Nice. Uh, they nearly swept it in 2005. They won Album Group of the Year, Pop Group, Hot 100 Group, Rock Artist, Modern Rock Artist, and Rock Song of the Year. So, damn. <laughs> Grammys. They have five. That is nice, because I think the last, aside from Taylor Swift, like the last five or six artists we've covered haven't had one. So this is a nice change of pace. Uh, 1995, they won Best Alternative Music Performance for Dookie. 2005, Best Rock Album for American Idiot. 2006, Record of the Year for Boulevard of Broken Dreams. 2010, Best Rock Album for 21st Century Breakdown. That is a great album, too. And then the first time for any of the bands that we're covering, 2011, Best Musical Show Album for the original broadcast recording of American Idiot the Musical. This is also the first punk rock opera based off of a punk rock album. That is a very first, not only for the show, but also for the band. Or for the world. Jesus. Yeah. They also, and this is a, a decent one because you're talking about the scene that they came from. There are awards called the California Music Awards because why not? There's that many bands that come from the state. They've never lost. 17 nominations, 17 wins. And that is from 1994 to present day. 
they let's see and uh one of our favorite award shows the nickelodeon kids choice awards <laughs> they have also never lost there they have three wins uh, 2005 and 2006 for favorite musical group and favorite song with Wake Me Up Before September Ends. A couple other interesting facts and numbers. Dookie is rated number five on most influential albums of all time by Kerrang! And 193 same list by Rolling Stone when they were credible. American Idiot is ranked number 13 on the 11 greatest rock albums of all time. Excuse me, 101. I missed a zero. Shut up, I was going to say. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> 13 <laughs> of 11. That is a typo I didn't need. <laughs> and uh, number one on the top 50 best albums of the century so far. Uh, Rolling Stone has them ranked as the top artist of the Knots decade, which is 2000 to 2009. And uh, I think that is all I have for numbers because those are the most notable ones that I wanted to mention because, dear God, they win a lot. <laughs> I don't have a dick joke to answer here. That's what <laughs> she said. Um, <laughs> but that is what I have for numbers. 127 times play. Yeah, I mean, that's Suffice to say, it, it's hard to say that they aren't the most successful punk rock band of all time. Yes. Oh, yeah. Easy. There's the big three that everyone always talks about. Uh, the Ramones, the Sex Pistols, and there's another one my brain escapes me, The Clash. They would be number four, easily. Yep. If there was a big four, they would, it would be them. I mean, it's there is no doubt there is no argument because the numbers say everything that need to be said. Do you got so you guys still consider Green Day to be a punk band? I would say the origin of the band predicates the rest of how their career goes because that's how they're going to be considered in the long run of it. If you look at, and I'm just going back because I already mentioned them, and it's my favorite band, and nobody can argue with me about this, Foo Fighters. Foo Fighters started out as a grunge band. And now we just all kind of consider them rock. And if you listen to something like Medicine at Midnight, there isn't really a rock song on that album. Everything is very kind of, I would say, light rock, almost like adult rock. Like, you'd hear them, and then you'd hear Phil Collins. You know, it just, like, it fits with that easy listening type stuff. I mean, if you listen to Shame, <laughs> that that is an easy listening song, easily. I mean, the music of it, as musicians, you all know how crazy it is when you listen to it and you're like, oh my god, that that beat is insane, the guitar is insane, and it's just great how they put everything together there. But at the same time, it's definitely not a rock album. No. And then you listen to But Here We Are, their latest album, which is fantastic and really, really depressing, and it just sounds like they went back to their roots. It sounds like I'm listening to The Color and the Shape again. It changes, but I'm always going to affiliate Foo Fighters with being a rock band, as I would Green Day, always being a punk band. I, Granted, I they look do more at, rock now, but still. I look at it as Green Day, it, it's not necessarily that the music they're putting out now may be considered punk or not. It's the attitude that they've always had. Especially Billy Joe, he's the type that will not be silenced, and I love that about him, I really do. <laughs> And that's punk rock as fuck. And if he can, you know, if, if the band keeps that same level of, of love for punk in general, I still consider them a punk rock band. They may be putting out rock music, 
but they're a punk band through and through i agree <laughs> <laughs> yeah definitely i would i would also look at it something like um we know in the community you have uh artists like frank turner right frank always does acoustic songs he's very much the folk type is frank not punk i would agree i mean four simple words is a song that i will blast on my way to every show because i have to because i'm like okay i have to get punked up and it's it's a silly song and it's just very enjoyable but at the same time he's always had that kind of attitude even though he is on a major label that's right epitaph is a major label fuck you guys <laughs> Bad Religion made so much money. But yeah. Oh, yeah. Alright. Now we get to jump into lyrics, and this is where we will split some duties. I'm gonna go ahead and do my two. And I'm leaving Jay with uh the number one. We're we're splitting John's duties. <laughs> oh god, I keep forgetting we're splitting his duties. <laughs> duties! Duties! Uh, you know he would be giggling about that if he were here rest in peace John yeah after I see him next second damn episode out of three that he's not here yeah (laughs) oh he's getting it couldn't make it for wait was he here for Swift no No. that was the first one where he magically disappeared God, we had to split lyrics again that's right and we had to read his notes, and it was terrible. Cause he, put, he just copied and pasted. I forgot. We've done too many of these in a very short amount of time. <laughs> this is tough to work full-time jobs and do all this. All right. I'm going to start off with uh, the song that drove me insane on Radio Waves, but is actually a very good song. It's called Boulevard of Broken Dreams. This was written during respite of what would become the album American Idiot. The song was written about Billy Joe Armstrong's time staying in New York City, renting a small loft in the East Village of Manhattan. Armstrong spent his time taking long walks, playing in jam sessions in the basement of Hi-Fi, a bar in Alphabet City, and socializing with songwriters Ryan Adams, of of his namesake, and Jesse Mallon, previously of the band Heart Attack. Ryan will be the subject of a future episode, because, oh boy, that'll be fun. The subject was a feeling alone in NYC, uh, encompassing the idea of going away and getting the hell out while at the same time fighting inner demons. The concept is from Gottfried Hellwine's painting of James Dean, Humphrey Bogart, Marilyn Monroe, and Elvis Presley all sitting together at an all-night diner. I think we've all actually seen that. For sure. Uh, There is another song called, this is just a weird little fact, there's actually another song called Boulevard of Broken Dreams that's known as Gigolo and Gigolette, written in 1934 by Al Dubin from the movie Moulin Rouge. It was recorded by the late Tony Bennett and the late Nat King Cole. I just hmm. thought that was pretty cool. Wasn't yeah. recorded by ICP. The death stare that Devin's giving me through the computer is so wonderful. Because you put that image in my fucking head. (laughs) Boulevard of Broken Dreams. How does it work? I don't know. Shit's a fucking miracle. (laughs) God. 
Uh, and the last fact I have is the song is featured on the TV show The Office in season six, where Dwight and Andy sing it at the staff Christmas party. Billy Joe was unaware uh, until he binged the series in 2019 on an episode of The Office Ladies podcast. Quote, I was watching that episode, then all of a sudden the song came on and I was completely taken by surprise. I think my face started to get red and Andy started singing harmonies. He sang the exact harmony that's in the musical. So it was good. Cool. Glad he could appreciate it. Glad he didn't try and sue them or something. That's awesome. I mean, it would be, they would get the licensing rights from BMI. They would have to. Because if you sing more than three seconds of a song, you actually have to pay out royalties. Oh, shit. We're fucked. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) 1,000%. The next song I'm going to cover is called Good Riddance, Time of Your Life. Subject to, well, actually, um, despite popular beliefs, uh, this was written about Billy Joe's girlfriend, Amanda, that moved to Ecuador, naming the song Good Riddance to show his anger towards her. Not a graduation song. Not a graduation song. Uh, this was actually written during the Dookie recording sessions, but it wasn't featured as the song was too different from the rest of the album. The idea of the song came about when Armstrong was at a house party in Berkeley, California, with a bunch of college students. He described it as, quote, weird dudes with ponytails and an acoustic guitar moment. I like it. Sounds about right. Wait a minute. Yeah, we've all been there. <laughs> Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I've weird been that weird ponytails. ponytail before. I, I never had the ponytail. I never got that bad. I was the weird ponytail. Dude I had for the a fro. Yeah. <laughs> Mine is different. <laughs> I had a fro. Like, Eric, think of your hair, but totally curly. Like, really tight spring curls and longer. Sure. Yeah, mine was a bit like that when I was younger. It's uh, less curly now. <laughs> I only do this because of this. <laughs> <laughs> I got the yarmulke, so it's just easier to shave it because I don't have to worry about maintenance. Now, this motherfucking thing right here is a pain in the ass, but I love it. It's so it pretty. Such a pretty beard. I just got, uh-huh. uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> Alright, so the song, notoriously on the album, begins with Armstrong playing the wrong note, repeating it, and then stating, fuck. This was omitted from radio edits. <laughs> I don't know why I had to put that as a fact, but it is what it is. Um, this was the official theme for the 1998 PGA Tour. What? That's golf, right? <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> that's amazing. As yeah, a that's... self-appointed punk rocker and a self-appointed <laughs> golfer, those are two parts of my life that never <laughs> intertwine. <laughs> Until that's... now. Wow. I can only imagine yeah. Tiger Woods being on the green. <laughs> we always try to like look up the weirdest things we can find on these songs. Sometimes they're really fucking weird. And that was the only thing that I could find that I'm like, nope, nope, this doesn't belong, so let's keep it. Let's make sure this is noted. I'd never heard that. That's really that's uh, fascinating. <laughs> and then my last fact that I, I already kind of joked about it a little bit it's so it's widely used as a graduation or wedding song but the song's symbolism is a fuck you to his girlfriend there was also a tattoo of the said ex which after she moved billy joe had it covered up and that is all i have for good riddance and uh i say we all go to the driving range 
I'm here for it. Down. All's good at they golf. Just, they just opened a Top Golf like 10 miles from my place, right next door to my work. Like, let's go. Let's go. start knocking some balls back. Man. Yeah, I don't know where you guys are, are coming into whenever you uh, come in. Are you just driving or are you flying? We're going to drive. Okay. I was going to say, Jay's down in Tampa, and we know a lot of bands are coming through Tampa, going up to Gainesville. So we could do that, or we'll just find something in, in Gainesville. And if you're there Thursday, I'll be there. <laughs> so we'll just... I'll bring I'll bring my clubs. <laughs> oh, yeah. How is that going to work? You're six foot four. I can't use your clubs. <laughs> Choke up, man. Come on. Oh, Look, God. you can use tall person's clubs. I can't use short person clubs. I guess you can't you can't add on extra length to the to the club, but you can choke up and we're just going to make sure that we record everything so we can give it to the (laughs) the fest staff and just be like, what do the fest fans do in their spare time? Bad idols went out (laughs) (laughs) clubbing with the best. We do. We need to like wear the proper golf attire, too. Oh, yeah. I'll need to have the vests. Sweater vest, one hundred. No, no, no. I, I mean, like the the real denim vest with all. Of the oh, patches, the punker vest. Okay. Yes. Yeah. With we with all like need to the, do that. So like the oh, proper yeah. polo, you know, khaki yeah. shorts or pants, whatever. No, you no, no. You got is. if if you're going but out, have you got to gotta have. You got to do the long socks and the knickers. Yeah. And have them like tucked in and everything, and then the golf cap, of course. Yeah, that hat. If you so, don't look, get, get it the visor. If you don't look like a Scottish golfer or like Rodney Dangerfield going out on the course, you're doing something wrong. I already look like a Scottish golfer. <laughs> I took it more like Rodney Dangerfield. Huh, no respect. I need a cigar and for somebody to scrape my throat so my voice goes down that low. <laughs> I tell you what. All right, that is all I have for Good Riddance. Jay, what you got for your song, sir? So I have Basket Case, which was the second single from the third album and major label debut, Do- Dookie. Released in 94, as Devin already said, it has 880 million streams on Spotify, which is currently Green Day's most streamed song on the platform. Peaked at number one on Billboard Modern Rock Charts, and it was also nominated for a Best Rock Vocal Performance by a Duo or Group at the 95 Grammys, which lost to Aerosmith's Crazy. But there was a lot of heavy hitters on that one, too, for that year. So you had Basket Case, Crazy by Aerosmith. You had Counting Crows Round Here, Nirvana, All Apologies, and this is post uh, post death of Kurt and Pearl Jam's daughter. Shit, that's some huge songs right there. And the fact that Aerosmith won it with a song that was kind of a mass song, damn, kills me. Uh, yeah, it kind of makes sense to me in a way. I mean, yeah, the song is mass, but. It, the vocals are awesome, but the harmonies on like all those Dookie songs are awesome. So I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Green Day could have won. Crazy and Crying are, are really the same song. It is me. the same song. It's just like uh, that's it. <laughs> don't the music same. videos both have Alicia Silverstone? Alicia Silverstone, and, yes. And Liv Tyler, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's literally the same. I I love like Smith, a... but still, it's the same damn song in the same video because they're both like lesbian bonnie and clyde running through stealing shit and running all over in a a cadillac don't put the fantasy in my head oh (laughs) i remember that Uh. video too that was that was the video that made me become a man oh my god (laughs) (laughs) 
That and strangely enough, Michael Jackson's You Are Not Alone. I don't understand why. Uh, Lisa Marie Presley naked on a bed. <laughs> yep. I, at, think at, that was like, peak, peak. I mean, the one for me was probably uh, Chris Isaac, Wicked Game. Oh, yes. Because his, uh, well, I guess then girlfriend slash wife slash supermodel was practically naked on the beach the entire mm-hmm. time. Yeah. Pan. So nice to be. We got to stop 90s. recording now. <laughs> <laughs> Devin, is your desk rising? What? What? I don't. I, I don't know what you're talking about. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> Breathe, Jay. Breathe. <laughs> You've officially killed. <laughs> All right. So back to basket case. Uh, it is also ranked number 150 in Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs of All Time. The song itself is about anxiety attacks and the feeling that you're going crazy. Uh, Billy Joe Armstrong suffered from various panic disorders while he was growing up. He would sometimes wake up in the middle of the night with a panic attack and walk around his neighborhood to settle down. Basket Case was a cathartic and personal song for him. He was quoted in uh, 2002 for the VH1's Ultimate Album special, saying the only way I could know what the hell was going on was to write a song about it. In his 2021 book, Welcome to My Panic, he revealed that the song was written while he was on the drug Speed, if that tells you anything about it. So one kind of cool thing that I read about it, and if you listen really closely to the lyrics, it references a prostitute, a whore. So this song stereotypes the whole condition of paranoia and compares it to being stoned. In the second verse in Basket Case, he references soliciting a male prostitute. Armstrong noted in an interview with Rolling Stone that, quote, I wanted to challenge myself and whoever the listener might be. It's also looking at the world and saying, it's not as black and white as you think. This isn't your grandfather's prostitute. Or maybe it was. (laughs) (laughs) Grandma? Oh my gosh. So, Uh, Have you guys heard the the Basket Case uh, four-track demo they just released? I just heard it earlier today. It is a lot different than the song that they actually released. Yeah, it's like completely different lyrics it's really interesting yeah i don't know i i wonder why it all changed maybe someone told them it wouldn't be a hit with those lyrics i i don't know i love that they released it though it's just super interesting yeah it's it's really cool to see bands release some of that older stuff that you know hasn't seen the light of day in 20 30 years too Mm -hmm. i'm amused by the aspect that he was on speed because all I can think of is him writing down the lyrics. Do you have the time? Looks up at the clock. Looks back at the lyrics. Looks back at the clock. Looks back at the lyrics. Looks back at the clock. Yeah. <laughs> ah! He's just watching the second hand just barely move. <laughs> the desk starts shaking. <laughs> That's all I can think. But I, I get it at the same time. And, you know, whenever I think about this song, too, the first thing that comes to mind is the music video for it. And Mm -hmm. this song may have been my very first exposure to punk rock. And I loved it. As crazy as it was, it was this, you know, watching it on MTV, I was probably seven years old, maybe. And I thought this this video was so weird, but it's so visually striking. Um, It was filmed in an actual mental health facility. Um, It was an abandoned facility called Agnews Developmental Center in Santa Clara, California. Uh, The band in the video was brought in by nurses and put in front of their instruments to play the song. Um, 
it was originally filmed in black and white and was later colored. Um, if you look at the different colors in the video too, uh, there's a bright blue tinge to really everything that which gives them kind of a, I'm going a little crazy watching this kind of feel to it. And the other patients, as they start walking around, they have these masks on and as they're walking around the ward. And if you notice, all the patients are actually in gray, except for the masks, which have this bright flesh color. So really creative the way that they put that video out. If you get a chance, go take a look at it again. That's awesome. I never knew that they filmed it in black and white and then added the color, but I've, I've always noticed how like weirdly bright the colors are. Uh, it's a beautiful video, but that's really cool to yeah. think about how much uh, went into it. Kind of makes sense now, like thinking about like the, how the crazy the color is that it was like kind of added later. Like, it's like, oh wow, that makes sense. I mean, even like Billy Joe's mouth and his teeth have this blue tinge to it. Like everything just has that. It 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 definitely starts playing with your mind as you're as you're watching it. So pretty cool. But that's it for uh, for the lyrics. It's the cold of Wizard of Oz. <laughs> I like it. I'm going to go back to American Idiot for a minute. Okay. And I'm actually I'm actually going to go back a little bit further than that. So with your introduction to punk rock, you would say Green Day was the one that kind of did that for you guys, right? Yeah. I, I, I don't think they were my introduction to punk, but when I found out about them, I was like, this is my favorite band. This is, like, incredible. I found out about them through the thank yous in a Sum 41 CD booklet. I was just like, I liked Sum 41. I heard them in a movie soundtrack. It was the Cheaper by the Dozen, the Steve Martin movie. And it had like In Too Deep. I was like, this song's cool. I want to check out this band. And then I got All Pure No Filler, Thank Yous. Green Day was one of the bands. It was like hard to find stuff. Like, I, I saw the names of these bands. It was hard to get to listen to them all. I can remember going to like FYE and then there's you scan CDs and like the sampler and you can mm -hmm. listen to it, like a bit of it on headphones. Well, anyway, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Back in our day, we had borders. Borders? I've been to a border. Oh, I missed that store. Uh, I, I remember Kmart having the samplers. Oh yeah. God. I just always hated the fact oh, yeah. Walmart always sold like edited Albums. Yeah, never had like, a parental advisory. You could advisory never album. find anything good in there. Now you can never find a CD in there. What's a CD? I thought you knew. <laughs> I was asking. <laughs> I haven't had a CD in like 10 years. <laughs> That's quite controversial, Devin. Yeah, well, I, I was going to go with uh, First Punk Band because you kind of came out of two camps in the 90s being Green Day or The Offspring. I was an offspring kid, and I think it's probably why I'm partially biased with Green Day, but again, I still appreciate them, but I do feel that is also controversial. Jay, are you here to change some hearts and minds, or are you just kind of like, eh, this is what happened? I got a little bit of stuff here with controversies. Oh boy. So, one of the bigger controversies that Green Day gets is really whether they're considered punk rock due to their music styles and the fact that they're signed to a major label. Johnny Rotten of the Sex Pistols. We've talked about them a little bit here throughout this episode. He was quoted in saying, so there we are, fending off all that, 
and it pisses me off that years later, a wank outfit like Green Day hop in and nick all that and attach them, attach it to themselves. They didn't earn their wings to do that, and if they were true punks, they wouldn't look anything like they do. I would love to be called a wank outfit by Johnny Rotten. I'll just be called a wank by Johnny Rotten. That's fucking awesome. Yeah, so. I like Sex Pistols, <laughs> and I like Public Image Limited. Uh, I think Johnny Rotten is a character. Uh, Agreed. I think Agreed. Billy Joe. I think Billy Joe. I think all performers are in a way, but you have to. But be. But, but Billy Joe is not in the way that Johnny Rotten is. I think Johnny yeah. Rotten's kind of an idiot. Uh, but I like the art he's made a lot. Well, you know, speaking of artists that we've discussed earlier in this episode. Bad Religion's lead guitarist, Brett Gerwitz, and founder of the independent punk label Epitaph Records, went to bat for Green Day and mm-hmm. saying they are a punk band. But, you know, punk is the legacy of rock and roll, and Green Day are the biggest band in the genre. Armstrong also had discussed the group's status of being a punk band on a major record label, saying, quote, Sometimes I think we've become redundant because we're this big band now. We've made a lot of money. We're not punk rock anymore. But then I think about it and just say, you can take us out of a punk rock environment, but you can't take the punk rock out of us. And I think that's the best way to really put it. They're still punk rock through and through in the heart and soul. And that's all it is. So one of Billy Joe Armstrong's biggest controversies is his substance abuse that uh, he was having issues with. And I'm going to go ahead and tell you, I'm not going to cover that. That is his own personal struggles. Yeah. Yeah. He's been up and down with a lot of stuff. I'm going to bring it up a little bit here in a couple of minutes and another controversy. Uh, But he has tried for sobriety. He reached it for some time. He's fallen off. He's gotten back on. That's his own personal struggle, and no one should ever be faulted for trying to make themselves better, trying to to heal themselves in whatever way they can. We here at Parlay Radio do not find substance abuse as controversial as most people would because we understand people go through their ups and downs. You can sit there and be Mr. Mackey and go, Drugs are bad, okay. okay. You can do stuff like that, or you can understand that there are certain ones that really have benefits to them or really don't benefit you, depending on what it is. There are some things that, if they were legalized, would probably prevent a lot of crime from occurring. There are some that, yeah, we would like to see it off the market, but at the same time, if you're struggling with that, you're having issues, and you desire to get better, we fully encourage that. It's not controversial what you do to yourself. It's more controversy of what you do to others. So as long as it is something that you're just dealing with, that's all you. That ain't anything that we're concerned about. Just do you. That's all it is. Now, this is a little bit of controversy, but it's not anything that should really be pointed at Green Day. So on July 7th, 2017, about 20 minutes before Green Day headlined Mad Cool, which was a festival in Madrid, an acrobat fell from about 98 feet from a cage above the stage and died. Some fans were upset that the band and festival organizers continued the show, which was attended by about 35,000 people. On their website later on, Armstrong said the band did not know about the accident before their set and likely would not have played had they had any knowledge of it. So, again, something that that's that's the concert promoter we've discussed on the show at, at length about how concert promoters can be absolutely terrible at times especially festival promoters 
no one involved with the fest though because you know no. they're fucking awesome yes very much but we want five star back damn it <laughs> we can't control that and we know it's a corporate idea but still at the same time we, we, punks need to eat pizza we really do and yeah, if it's not readily <laughs> bit, I don't know how the hell they're gonna do that I really don't are they just gonna have somebody who's like on standby as a delivery person to go get 58 pizzas at a time or something every 10 minutes because last year that line was around the block yeah five star is gonna be missed like we should show up with a little pizza cart and just sell pizza paul (laughs) yeah i am all about making some money you know i used to work for domino's i can slap out a pie pretty easily let's do it i can eat one (laughs) yeah i've had a lot of pizza jobs i could do it with mom but we got this Devin, pizza party pizza. Ooh. Oh, for the listeners aren't really familiar with that because it's more of a personal story. So just to tag along, um, whenever anybody asks me about my politics, I always say that I am a proud member of the Pizza Party of America. Because really, if you can't compare your politics to pizza, then what the hell are you doing with your life? <laughs> Sincerely. Also, everybody loves pizza. The only people who don't are people who have never had it. And there is no excuse. There's vegan, there's gluten-free, there's dairy-free. The fuck are you doing with your life if you haven't had it? Also, pineapple is the greatest pizza topping ever. I will die on this hill. It is your preference, sir. If you enjoy your preference, that is all you need to do is enjoy your pizza. I personally like pineapple and jalapeno because I got the sweet and I got the spicy and I got the savory. That's not bad. I kind of want to try that now. But, you know, speaking of, you know, political stylings oh i thought we were still talking about pizza i'm sorry well we can talk about pizza stylings later on yes but we're still talking about controversies pizza pizza should never be controversial no no except for the places in canada who put mayo and corn on pizza corn i can get mayo what the fuck is wrong with you oh my god so speaking of extremely controversial things during the summer of 2022 after the extremely controversial supreme court overturning of roe v wade billy joe armstrong during a concert in at london stadium in england said quote fuck america i'm fucking renouncing my citizenship i'm fucking coming here there's too much fucking stupid in the world to go back to that miserable fucking excuse for a country so uh-huh (laughs) that's controversial in itself but this is a little bit of a side quest we're going to take on this so ted nugent you know the guy that only he's really only known for one song and two brain cells you know i thought we could go the entire run of our show i mean until we stop making episodes without mentioning that motherfucker's name (laughs) oh no oh no if i get the chance i'm jumping on it because he replied to Billy Joe Armstrong's criticism on the matter. And this brings up a segment I'd like to call Crazy Uncle Ted's Corner. God damn it. Now we're making him a segment? (laughs) Any chance I can bring up Crazy Uncle Ted, I'm bringing up Crazy Uncle Ted. Fuck, he pissed his pants and shit his pants to miss the draft. What the fuck? fuck? (laughs) Yeah, I don't know if you knew that or not. He was supposed to be drafted to Vietnam. And to get out of the draft, he shit his pants. That is 100% true. (laughs) 
Look it up, um, kids. <laughs> well, on I see the keyboard. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking. I gotta. I gotta see. <laughs> well, while you're looking that up, on Nugent's news commentary series, The Nightly Nuge, he stated, "I've witnessed some artists out there like Billy Joe Armstrong of Green Day. He's incredibly talented, but he's just lost his soul." The Supreme Court did a good job. The Nancy Pelosi's and the left and the maniacs don't seem to be for choice. They seem to literally be for killing babies. They're just crazy. The protesters and the left are saying to people who have a t-shirt that says, my mom didn't abort me and I'm celebrating my life today. And the people on the other side went, well, your mother should have killed you. Listen, crazy Uncle Ted, you can't say an artist that released an album called American Idiot with the lines, don't want to be an American idiot, one nation controlled by the media has lost his soul. Billy Joe is probably closer to his rock and roll roots than you've been for the last 30 years. You want to be hip and cool and edgy by having a news commentary series? Uncle Teddy, you're as cool as the fart that escapes one of the six Supreme Court justices that overturned Roe v. Wade's little gowns. Ouch. You haven't been relevant since the Carter administration. Even Reagan would have said you were a piece of shit for dropping a literal piece of shit in your pants to dodge the draft. You think all supporters from the other side want to tell people their mother should have killed you. No, Ted, I just wish your mother had swallowed you. Such a waste of protein. <laughs> Do us all a favor, crazy Uncle Ted. Find your Detroit buddy, Kid Rock, and yes, there has been a video recently released by TMZ with Kid Rock drinking a dreaded Bud Light. Does that make him a trans-loving liberal now? But find him, go crawl back to your hole of irrelevancy, fully stocked with enough Bud Light, guns, and Fox News video clips to pacify you until we need to talk about you again, which will be never, okay? Thanks, Uncle Ted. See you next Thanksgiving. Yeah, fuck Ted Nugent, dude. <laughs> I, I just want to say that I'm going to make sure I put the instrumental of Cat Scratch Fever under the <laughs> Do the Pantera version, please. No, I need it to be Ted's because I need to fuck with him as much as possible. I'd rather have Dime playing over it, though. I love Dime. Uh, we're going to cover them later on, too. Remember that? I know, and I'm not looking forward to that. Oh, yeah. That's the one where I'm just like, uh Damn it, Please Phil. not Pantera. Fucking Phil. Fucking Phil. It's always, it's always fucking Phil. Phil. All right, so our last controversy, and this is the big one that everybody knows about, everybody heard about. On September 21st, 2012, while Green Day was performing at the iHeart Music Festival, iHeart Radio Music Festival, excuse me, uh, Billy Joe Armstrong stopped while performing Basket Case because he believed the group's time was being shortened, possibly to extend artist Usher's performance. Angered, Armstrong began ranting while a screen in the rear of the audience was labeled one minute left saying quote you're gonna give me one fucking minute you've got to be fucking kidding me <laughs> he also told the crowd he was quote not Justin Bieber and that the festival was a quote joke when the screen went blank Armstrong smashed his guitar while basic bassist Mike Durant smashed his bass. Armstrong then gave the finger and declared that Green Day would be back before throwing his microphone down and walking off the stage. Two days later, the band's representative apologized for the incident on the group's behalf, stating that Green Day would like everyone to know that their set was not cut short by Clear Channel and to apologize to those they offended 
at the iHeartRadio Music Festival in Las Vegas. Also adding that Armstrong would be headed to rehab for abuse of alcohol and prescription pills. Later in an interview with Rolling Stone, Durnt said that he agreed with what Armstrong meant by his rant. And the band did later make amends with the company and played an album release party for their 2016 release, Revolution Radio. They also returned to the festival in 2019, supporting the album Father of All Motherfuckers. That album it was it, it was <laughs> punk rock as fuck, but then the fact that they went back to Clear Channel, that's not as punk rock. Come on, guys. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure the whole set is on YouTube. Uh, their time did get cut short. And Billy Joe was definitely on some substance that night. He was doing yes. horrible. You can see oh, him yeah. all the other songs, and he's just like singing the wrong words, or he's coming in late, or something like. It's clear something's wrong, and like that's his prerogative. It's not very professional. Uh, it's pretty punk. It could be the punkest thing they've done since, uh, you know, Dookie Insomniac. <laughs> A little behind the scenes on this because. At that time in, in 2012, I was actually an intern for Clear Channel. Wow. For some of the local radio stations that they had, well, local, quote unquote, um, up in Louisville, Kentucky. And we were actually airing that whole concert live that weekend, along with a lot of Clear Channel stations throughout the nation. So that was huge. And I do remember one of our program directors actually having to go on air afterwards and apologize for it being like actually out in, you know, um, on live air. Vulgarities. Um, yep. The, the Monday. Airways. Yep. The Monday mm -hmm. after I came in and he was livid. I've never heard someone cuss about somebody so much. Um, but he was he was pissed because they had to deal with so many FCC bullshits over, you know, something that they had no control over. But yeah, just a little bit of insider info on that. It was it, it was, that was a bombshell in the music industry to say the least, or at least in the record industry or the the radio industry. FCC guidelines state that the utterance of a word that is not supposed to be on airwaves can be a fine of one hundred and fifty to three thousand dollars per word and that's also why the fcc basically regulates that almost any and all things that are being broadcast have a 10 second delay thanks janet jackson and justin timberlake for that i worked for my college radio station for two years one of the shows i had in the morning i used to showcase florida bands and i would bring in their stuff and i would play it in the middle of my block and I would do a little introduction for them. I made sure the songs were clean. I would play the song. I'd go back to my regular block. It was always at 8 o'clock in the morning. A sister show, hosted by two friends who I won't name, thought that me bringing in my own music was a normal thing for radio. So one of the hosts brought in Black Eyed Peas' Boom Boom Pow, which was a popular song at the time, and played it on the air uncensored. Oh. The shit aired six times on FCC airwaves before the co-host, who did not bring in the song, realized that was being played, and it was pulled out of the CD player, followed by every radio manager's favorite thing, dead silence. 
15 seconds before they could get another song playing. And that's that's actually what happened with the iHeartRadio yep. music festival was that there was there was a, a huge delay as they were trying to figure out what was going on and trying to censor it as it was going on too. And it was that's why you always do a five yep. second delay because you can't get around it otherwise. Ah, uh, yeah, our co-host was fired, and then I had to turn over all bands that I had played, all singles that I had played and copies of everybody's lyrics. I was not able to continue doing it because somebody else, like Black Eyed Peas, too damn much. <laughs> not that good. And that's why we're in podcast land now, because we can say fuck, shit, fuck. ass. Except when we get picked up by NPR. Then we gotta worry about it a little more. <laughs> but then we also have to talk like this with no other emotion in our voices. We're talking about NPR, local NPR station. That's I do that every good. day at work anyway. No, but <laughs> made eligible by listeners like you. Our annual fundraiser is going on right now. <laughs> is that all you got? That's it with controversy. Oh, thank God. They're a relatively clean band, honestly. The other two members of the band, other than like a divorce here or there, like haven't that's, really done much. That's still you know. personal, so that, that doesn't yeah. qualify. Now, Eric, did you look up the Ted Nugent shitting his pants thing? Yeah, so uh, he he says he denies it but you know of course he would deny it I, i've just i've got his wikipedia pulled up i don't know 20 years ago he admitted it though too that's yeah. the weird thing <laughs> he yeah. went from being like oh i'm this crazy rock and roll guy to oh i'm this crazy conservative guy yeah, that's he why he's crazy soul. uncle ted and i want to bring him up whenever we can he lost his soul and he needs to listen to more green day <laughs> You know, I gotta say, guys, I'm a little surprised you've not mentioned that, like, Green Day steals uh, songs from people. <laughs> I didn't go heavy into conspiracies with them. <laughs> conspiracies? Dude, they, they're my favorite band, but they do. They've ripped off a lot of people. They can yeah, afford to, though, I guess. I don't know. It's like, this is what the song needs. We're gonna have to pay for it. Yeah, they've been, what, sued at least twice for it now. Yeah, they had to give David Bowie writing credit on one of those songs, uh, 21 Guns, off 21st Century Breakdown. The, I actually never heard that. I didn't know that either. The chorus of 21 Guns is like the verse of, is it called All the Young Dudes? It's a David Bowie song. It's like the melody is like basically identical, and then they got a lawsuit, and I think the way they settled it was they gave David Bowie writing credit. So whoever's getting the David Bowie money now is getting the royalties from the Green Day song. Well, that was when Bowie was still alive, though. It but is. even then. Yeah, yeah I think 21 so, yeah. Guns came out in, like, what, 2009? Yeah. That was yeah. on 21st yeah. Century Breakdown, and Bowie died, what, 11 or 12, I think? Okay. He was, he was so, way later. He had to be, yeah. I think, about five years later. Yeah. yeah. But, I mean... <laughs> Here's the thing. It was probably easier for them to just give him credit because is every one of you know, like all, all three of you know, as, as writers, you're going to be, you know, inspired by something somewhere, somebody, you know, there's only so many chords you can play. There's only so many beats you can play. It's a matter of tempo at that point is the only difference between half the songs in the world. You know, the whole joke of, oh, rock and roll songs, four chords and out. Punk rock's three chords and out. That's <laughs> it. You know, like 
there's not that much you can really do to change and move that. So the inspirations probably do show. And I didn't really see a lot of that in any of my um, any of my research. But I would probably I'd, I'd give Green Day the benefit of the doubt with it. I mean, everybody's copied somebody at some point or another. Nothing is original anymore. It's very difficult to find a chord structure that doesn't sound like something else now. Mm-hmm. I think that's why everybody's doing like the Midwest emo tuning for their guitars when they play anything. This is like, this is a D, like this song, but because I tune it this way, this is a D suspended seven. All right. Fuck y'all. <laughs> I'm not getting sued today. <laughs> They're smart. Just play gent where you're drop tuned like eight steps down and no one can ever say that they wrote a song that was that low. <laughs> I did want to cap off a couple things. Um, first thing that I want to mention, we just recently had a uh, CD and record festival here in Jacksonville, or record show, I should say. And aside from finding some pretty good stuff, I got uh, Alice in Chains' Dirt, I got Mad Season, um, I found some really cool ones. I got the box set for Stone Temple Pilots Core, which is amazing. Well, I Ten found Nugent this. Also? I'm going to strangle Nugent? you with your headphone cord, sir. <laughs> I found this. If you can see that, it says The Touch of Leonard Nimoy. That's the Vulcan Death Grip? Apparently. Wow. <laughs> um, I have yet to listen to this, and I really, really want to. But I would also like everybody else to listen to this who listens to our show and send us their remarks because the gentleman that sold it to me was a very nice guy. He said, oh, man, that's a classic, man. You're going to really like that. And I uh, I have no idea how to feel about that, <laughs> especially the enthusiasm, considering that Shatner's released quite a few albums. I had never heard of anything from Nimoy other than uh, his poetry, so I'm uh, I'm scared to death, but I think it's something that will be a unique listen for our listeners, so I'm just going to recommend A Touch of Nimoy for everybody, and um, may God have mercy on you all, just in case. Well, Eric and Paul, we really do appreciate you hopping on. Um, we are looking forward to your set. Again, they are in the band called Bad Idols. And you can check out their band camp, which I did plug earlier in the episode. So hopefully you had a pen and paper out, writing it down, texting it to yourself, calling your mama, calling your papa, sister, brother, whatever, spouse, anybody. And your Uncle Ted. God damn it. <laughs> 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 but the questions that I have for you guys is we don't really try to do much of an interview format here. We want it to be more like hanging out with your buddies. Um, we do want to know who you're looking forward to seeing at Fest this year any bands other than your own as far as sets there's so many this year's lineup is so stacked i'm yeah. stoked to see all dillinger four uh oh, yeah. you know descendants of course a lot of friends bands like uh seagulls shihihi gutless middle-aged queers it's gonna be awesome oh yeah shit strike anywhere's playing too that'll be dope it's so hard to keep up with the lineup <laughs> yeah I'm like, scrolling through it right now. There's just so many. It's, how many fucking bands are playing? 180? Uh -huh. Oh, okay. Yeah. Can we make 180 sets? All right. Maybe if I clone Jay. Not myself, because if it goes wrong, I want to be alive. But Jay is expendable. God, that's going to be a giant clone. I'm going to make it seven foot two. <laughs> so it's only going to be like two inches taller than me? Yeah, you're not that giant. <laughs> yeah, I know. Close. 
no cigar. I do want to remind everybody that all episodes up until the weekend of Fest, which is really starting on October 26th for Pre-Fest, all guests on the show will be featured bands at Fest. So Bad Idols will be there. If you have tickets, check out their set. You guys are playing Sunday night? That's right. Yep. Awesome. Uh, what venue? Which one did you end up getting? Palomino. Okay, cool. Yeah. So you're right in the heart of it. That's nice of it. That's nice. That's nice. Everything is so close to each other. I love it. But uh, having said that, we also have some pending guests that we're waiting on, waiting to hear some times. Uh, These episodes will not exactly be twice a week. There will be some weeks where there's two, some weeks where there's one. There's at least going to be one every week until the weekend of. We're still waiting on a couple of people to give us times. I'm really hoping that somebody picks ICP soon. (laughs) I just really want to cover them so badly. It was tempting. What is a juggalo? <laughs> it's close to a jabroni. So I, I. It's, oh, you can't, you can't say that. I they're know. Going, I going, know. No, no, I know. I'm the, gonna get juggalos and juggalettes now. out there. <laughs> they're not J Browns. We know that. All right. Well, I'm gonna wrap it up. So, on behalf of the absent John, rest in peace. Uh, meaning, like, get some peace and quiet, because I know you, you're going back to work away from the kids. So, you know. Uh, your wife's going to kill me for saying that. I don't really care. Love Dick. you. <laughs> Dick. And on behalf of Eric and Paul, once again, of the band Bad Idols, badidolstn.bandcamp.com. Check out their stuff. Give them some merch purchase, everything that you can do. Support your local independent bands. On behalf of everybody here, my name is Devin. I've already said great day, so I will say good night. Parlay Radio is a journalistic educational commentary podcast hosted by Jay Bain, John Coleman, and Devin Hughes. On the mention of bands and materials used, we are protected by fair use and copyright as we provide criticism and commentary through satirical means. We don't own the rights to any bands or stories mentioned, but we do have the right to offer criticism and commentary. Incidental music is provided by Cloudkicker and Creative Commons tracks in the public domain. If you have a band or suggestion for the show, you can find us on Facebook at Parlay Radio, on Instagram at Parlay Radio Podcast, or on TikTok at Parlay Radio. You may also email us at parlayradio at gmail.com. Be sure to like, share, and subscribe to our show if you enjoy what you hear. Thank you for listening.